What up, world, and welcome to Beer Talk Now. I'm your host, D. Neal, and today on episode 11, I am here at Elevation 66 in El Cerrito, California, with two special guests who come from Lucky Devil Brewing Company. They are the owner and operators of Lucky Devil Brewing Company, Paul and Tanya Wickelman. How are both of you doing today? Great, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad that both of you came and uh, we got a chance to eat before we got the interview started. And I'm just really excited to not only drink Elevation 66 beers, but you brought your award-winning gold medal that you're going to pick up this Saturday in Sacramento, You the IPA. And then you also brought a sour for me, so I'm very appreciative of that. Tanya, how are you doing? I'm wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. So thank you all both for coming. And as I said before, before we took, cut the mics on, we're going to jump straight into it. Paul, first time you had beer, and what was it? Uh, the first time I ever had beer had to be like something out of my dad's basement fridge, you Same. know. And how old were you, Paul? Uh, well, I guess that first time ever, if we're going the first time That's ever. That's right, truth over harmony. The first time ever had to be in the pickup truck with my dad and my uncle going to pick up some wood in Minnesota and they picked up a six-pack. And then my dad, no, it wasn't my dad that handed me a beer. It was my uncle that handed me a beer and then my dad was the one that took it back from me. <laughs> That was that was the first beer. I think I had to be eight or something like that. So wait, he took it back from? Did he let you try it first, or did he take it back and then give it to you? <laughs> oh no, my uncle was like, "Yeah, he have a beer. He's gonna go chop some wood. He needs a beer." And then I took three sips, and Dad was like, "You had enough." <laughs> but I think that was the very first time I ever had a beer. Yeah. And what do you think it was? Like a, like a lager, or what, what was it? Uh, you know, it was Minnesota, so it was probably some German lager. German lager. Yeah. Minnesota with German lagers. I thought you would say maybe like a Budweiser or something. No, it was probably Grain Belt. That's probably what it was. Or Shells. Grain Belt or Shells. And so that and that was a Ger- German style. Yeah, Shells is like one of the they one of the first breweries that opened in the country in like eighteen fifty something. Uh, August Shells Brewing Company and. Uh, uh, South, south, uh, southeastern, Minnesota, southwestern Minnesota, I guess. Okay. Um, but yeah, they've been open. They were one of the like ten breweries that opened, still open, still making German beers for all the Minnesotans. See, that's yeah. it's better than that's better than me. I didn't have I didn't have a German style anything when I first had beer. I think it was maybe like a, a Coors or a, it had to be a Coors. Yep, it's Coors from my uncle. Coors. <laughs> Minnesota is a weird place, you know, because you have a lot of, you know, blue-collar people, people fishing, ice fishing on the lake, drinking the cheapest beer you can possibly get. And that beer, when I was a kid, was never Bud Miller or Coors. Wow. It was always some Minnesota brand. That's good. Cold Springs, Schmidt, uh, just, I mean, there was a beer called Schmidt, Deer Brand Lager. And that was like a hit, man. All the like old timers in the lake were drinking Schmidt, Deer Brand Lager. Shout out to Schmidt and shout out to Minnesota. Yeah. Tanya, what about you? When was the first time that you had beer and do you remember what it was? First time I remember drinking beer, I think was, I was 11 years old and I was visiting my aunt and uncle's farm in eastern Oregon and me and my best friend Pommy were just starting to experiment with things like drinking and 
you know, whatever else we might come across. And um, we stole a couple of beers from my uncle's fridge after the grown-ups had gone to sleep. And we drank beers, and I think they were too light to even really feel a buzz, but we definitely <laughs> felt good and naughty. <laughs> hey. And I can't tell you what that beer what was. That yeah, later, later, I was introduced to, like, much horrible, <laughs> much more horrible beer, like, you know, 40 ounces of Old well, English and things or, like that old, as a teenager. Good old 40 and, Old English. You know, sounds like you were in the hood and yeah. a good old 40 <laughs> Yeah, old a little English. bit. That sounds good. <laughs> nice. So... Well, Lucky Devil, what what was the spark that made you want to create it? And even before, matter of fact, before that, and excuse me for diversion on the question, how did you two meet? And then after that, how did Lucky Devil start? Because you two are the owner operators. Paul, I know you brew. Tanya, do you do you brew with the brew? I I have brewed. I don't brew for us, but gotcha. I have. I am capable of brewing See? beer. So I, I got to know the the beer talk now community has to know how you two met. To you want to take this or you want me to, hun? <laughs> um, yeah, go ahead. Do it right, Paul. Oh, are you trying to diverge it over? So we both thought that we first met at. Uh, a job that we had at Pacific Coast Brewing Company in Oakland okay. um, about 13 years ago. And um, I, we had a mutual friend that got me a job there. It was a great gig for a bartender and a server. And she got me a gig there. And I remember starting and meeting Paul and looking up at his blue eyes and getting sort of a shock through me like, oh, my God. Yeah, Paul. Need to stay away from this guy, but also sort of a familiar thing. And but I thought I just met him then, and um, six months later we were dating, and we realized that we had actually met about I don't know eight years prior to that. And um, I won't go into that whole story, but he had he had been working at Pacific Coast, and we had another mutual friend that had brought me there. And we had a very fun, raucous night drinking, and I was climbing in the rafters and <laughs> impressed Paul immensely, but not enough for him to get through the wall of my friend that refused to give him my phone number. <laughs> Got it. Paul saw something. And neither that of night. us, neither of us, remembered until you know we had been dating for a couple of months, and all of a sudden, he was like. You were that girl climbing in the rafters, <laughs> hanging upside down, and yes, it was me. And I thought, oh, that's why. That's why I picked you. I, yeah, <laughs> that's what I recognized. I just didn't remember it or place it. It was really bizarre. It was one of those pillow talk moments where I was like, oh, you know what? <laughs> I didn't just meet you. <laughs> this, is, this isn't the first time. <laughs> I've known you, and I would have known you a lot longer if. Jared Finkelstein wouldn't have been like, Wasn't, no, she's totally dating somebody, dude. Don't even bother. <laughs> he was blocking. But that's yeah, all right. I, I never understood why he didn't call me. <laughs> but now you're here now, right? Yeah. So it all worked yeah. out. So from that, how did Lucky Devil start? Well, um, you can backtrack a little bit to... to bring it all together if you want to so don't feel don't feel rushed for that i don't know i guess there was like (laughs) 
there was like when I lived in Minnesota, you know, I would like had friends that homebrewed, and I thought, yeah, let's do that. But I didn't have any of the equipment, and I was like going, you know, like young and going to college, didn't have any money, and didn't have the didn't feel like investing in something I didn't know how to do without figured eventually I'll run to somebody who already has this stuff, you know. And then 10 years later, really, when I was out here going to college, not 10 years later, five years later, I don't know, I guess, yeah, I don't know. Those years when you're young, they seem like way fucking longer, like 18 to 19 seems like 10 years. Anyways, I got a gift from my girlfriend, a bunch of ingredients. Hey, man, you guys always wanted to homebrew. And then uh, at the time I was living here and I went to bartender up Pacific Coast. She didn't give me any equipment, which is the reason I hadn't homebrewed in the first place. So I went down and talked to the um, the brewer, and I was like, "Have you know, like I got all this stuff. Do you have any equipment?" He's like, "Oh yeah, you can have all my gear because I'm never going to use it again." Wow! So I got this huge like two thousand dollars setup. Started homebrewing. Like did it like a madman for like five six years. Started entering competitions. Started winning some awards. And then I decided to go to brewing school to see if like I don't know. I was good enough to be pro, and uh, I went to brewing school, and I was like, this is a lot of repeat information that <laughs> I already fucking knew, except for, of course, you know, filtration, big systems, um, you know, because you're all doing homebrew, but the theory of brewing, if you're really into homebrewing, you just research and research and research and research, which is what you do when you're professional, too, you know, yep. so you just take it up a notch into a different level of so big, Yeah, a little b- bigger type, bigger environment, bigger tanks, and yeah, whatnot. Exactly. Yeah, Exactly. So, now where did you go to school for brewing? Because I, you know, I've been, I went it? to Siebel. And where is that located? Uh, Siebel's in Chicago, which okay. is the second oldest brewing school in the world, I guess, behind Weinsteffen. Okay. And so you do like a do like half the program in Chicago, and then you do another half of it in uh, in Munich, Germany, actually. At Doyman's. At Doyman's Institute. Yeah. Ah, so you went so to Siebel and Doyman's. So you yeah. went to Germany. Yeah. And what? And what difference did you see between when you were at school in Chicago and then you transferred over, or at least they have gave you that time in Germany? What? What difference did you see in the process of, of making beer? Was it more traditional? You have to do it A B C this way. Did the beer taste different? Because I, I get a lot of people uh, that I see that go to. Germany or Belgium or whatever they're they're like oh this beer is like so great and I never had this beer ever again and I want to go buy it or ship a whole case over that did you get that feel like that that the beer was that much better well it's like it's like Pulp Fiction man it's like little differences you know and it's the things that you don't necessarily expect like you're talking to a brewer and you're telling him you know you're like I was already working at a brewery when I was there and I was telling them, oh yeah, we, you know, when we were getting our beer ready to package, you know, we force carbonate it and um, these breweries, you know, these brewers in Germany, they're like, what do you mean you force carbonate it? And you're like, yeah, you know, you just, we have tanks of CO2 and then we just force it into the beer and we get up to the spec we want, you know, the parts per million. And they're like, what, why would you do that? You know, because of course, you know, they're not doing that. They're, they have to it's Ryan Heights skip out so if they're going to do any forced carbonating the only carbonation they can use that is honey so if they're going to if they're going to do any 
There's beer laws in Germany. There's beer laws in Germany, so you can only have the 40 ingredients, and you can only really have things that go into beer that are from beer. So you can't take CO2, which is a, like a manufactured gas, and, produce, and pump and, it and into the pump beer. It into yes. your beer. If you're going to do it in Germany, you're allowed to do it if the CO2 that you're using is CO2 that was... Um, that actually came out of beer in the fermentation process and re- was recaptured, nice. you can recapture that CO2 and put that CO2 back in beer, but you can't just do in America what we do to go buy a tank and like carbonate your beer. Ah, and so so you, everything has to be produced. If Whatever you use has to be produced in the, in the process of making the beer. So whatever you want to put into the beer, it has to be produced from the beginning. And if you want to put it back into the end, then you can put that back into the end. But you cannot take, like you said, that CO2. Yeah, well, and I might would tell people that, oh, yeah, where's the gas go? It just goes out into the air. In the city? Like, yeah, in Berkeley, it just goes right... Well, I mean, you know, I don't want to call breweries' names out, but, yeah, it just goes right out to the roof. Gotcha. Maybe there's filters, but, yeah, it's just going around. And they're just like, why are you wasting all that CO2? Capturing it. So, anyway, just subtle differences, you know. But... Did that... So, it's... Yeah, so it's old, traditional... Beer making, yeah, which I yeah, which which definitely has influenced Lucky Devil, and also his visiting Belgium um, has had a huge like he definitely wanted to open a Belgian brewery after going to school there, and when we met, we both bonded on that. Not that it was something that I had ever thought about, but I was definitely in the mindset of having a business and. When I started working at Pacific Coast, I grew to love beer as well as Paul, and we definitely started formulating our plan. Is six months into our relationship, we went to a workshop together at Siebel, which was how to open your own brewery. Nice. And all of this was based on the knowledge that he garnered from being at school in Germany and visiting Belgium and trying to follow the principles of you know Germany and Belgium with the traditional processes so with that entrepreneur spirit when he came back and told you hey i want to do i want to open up my own our our own brewery you were just because you had i was yeah i mean that was it was kind of the formation of our relationship was also the formation of the brewery it was something that we started talking about immediately Hmm. you know i mean six months in we were at a workshop together of how to do this so then and then how long from that time when you two talked about this is what we want to do, let's get it going, to where you created your first beer, which I want to say is Alistair Abbey, but I don't, I'm not sure. But there were, there were definitely a lot of home brews and okay. things like that in between. Nice. Um, the first beer that Lucky Devil made was Alistair Abbey, okay. and that which was, you know, which was one of Paul's older right recipes that he had been perfecting for a long time. Yes, which and, we are drinking right now. And, how, and so how long... With that homebrew, how about how long did you both feel like comfortable enough to the point where it's like, yeah, we can do this on a on a bigger scale than just the homebrew with the Alistair Abbey, the form, the recipes? Was it even called Alistair Abbey at first, or was it a? No, it wasn't okay. called Alistair Abbey until you know we. Yeah, even even Lucky Devil but, had some different names. Nice. Yeah, but um, I don't know. I guess you know, there's a million homebrewers, and like when I started homebrewing. I just thought of myself in a big group. And then when I competed and then I won some awards, I thought I was in a smaller group. And then, you know, you're just getting into a smaller and smaller group, you know. And so now I feel like um, 
Yeah, I don't know. We um, we were just inspired by um, I don't know, just the I like the I like the discipline of German breweries, and I like um, the creativity of what goes on in Belgium, and it's sort of a mismatch, or I mean, not a mismatch. It's sort of like a it's a mismatch of cultures, but actually the two disciplines go together well. You know, Belgium kind of has a philosophy of, like, good ingredients make good beer, and Germany is sort of like, you know, we really need to be disciplined and we need to be behind the scientific principles so that we don't mess up the, infect our beers and what have you. So the beers that, in theory, we want to add bugs to, we want to add specific bugs to, and we don't want to have random bugs going there, you know. So it's kind of a... Yeah, it's a combination of both sciences, I guess, or both cultures. So, so you combine the cultures together. You like different you you like different perspectives of each culture, and you and you formulate it in your in your own mind. Like, okay, this is what I want the brewery, which now is known as Lucky Devil, to become. And you took some time before you made the Alistair Abbey, which again, this Alistair Abbey is amazing. All right, I love the awesome. spice. Awesome. I'm big fan. I'm big fan of Belgium's and. Barrel age is my, my is my most favorite, but yes, I love I love the color on this or the body, as some people say, which I'm still trying to learn. I was like, when you say body, are you saying flavor? What are you talking? about? But no, it's, it's not, it has a nice spice, very clean finish, stays on the palate, very subtle. I enjoy it. I mean, it was hard picking. Like, I'm half French and half German, okay. so you can see him at odds a little bit with myself. <laughs> and so, you know, brewing. Homebrewing, I brewed all over the place, but then piloting for Lucky Devil, like this, the Belgian theme seemed like right on, you know. And we did tons and tons of pilot recipes, and um, Alistair Abbey, it almost like. So I've never had a, a pilot batch that was fermenting blow the uh, cap off, like in the middle of the night, and do this volcano, like. So, anyway, it's just it's a regular 10 gallon pilot batch sitting in my kitchen. And it was Alistair Abbey, and the blow-off hose got plugged at like 3 in the morning. At the time, I'm working a 5 a.m. brewer shift wow. at Trumer, I think, and it sounds like a gunshot, you know? And, we, <laughs> and I hear all this, all of a sudden, this like liquid draining on the floor, and I'm like, oh my God, I know exactly what that is. But it never happened. Like, on all my years of home brewing, I've never had a hose clogged to the point where it pops off the cork off. Yeah. And then, at like, 3 in the morning, I'm out there, like, it's all over the floor, and then it's, like, like God, and I tilt over the, like, fermenter, and I pour it into a glass in my pajamas, and I'm like, oh, my God, honey, get out of bed, come out of here. I know the kitchen's all covered in beer. And that was, that was Alistair Abbey. Wow. And then we brewed it again, and then made sure, like, let's have it not explode, and, like, make sure, like, you know, like, and that was it. But it was almost like it said, "Hey, I'm your, I'm your fucking flagstaff, man, or your flagship." You're gonna, you got to do. You Hello. Gotta, you got to deal with me. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Well, you know what? I know you brought the, you brought the beers for us to sample. Yeah. Uh, we probably should get with Jordan so we can get uh get the cap popped off on it. But until we can get that going, let's go to at least the first beer we all decided, and this is the Elevation Sixty Six. Central Ave Cream Ale, five percent uh, ABV. I do not know the IBU, but uh, let's give this a try. 
I see you've already been sipping on it, but that's yeah, all right. Yeah, I've been that, sipping on the cream. It's now. okay. Paul likes to drink the beer. Paul, you're supposed to cheers me with your glasses almost empty. <laughs> here, Paul. Here, I'll help you out. Now I'll pour, <laughs> some, I'll pour some in there. All right. There, there we go. go. There we now go. we're talking. All right. Now we can cheers. Cheers. So this is the Central Ave uh, cream ale. Smells like a good cream ale. Uh, very translucent. I can see right through this bad boy. I don't know what color would you. What color would you say that is? Because I'm I'm bad with the colors. I just know amber and and then real dark. <laughs> light straw. A light straw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nice little foam on it. Since I poured some for Paul, um, let's give it a taste. Well, you've already tasted. Let me taste it. <laughs> and let's give Tanya. Tanya has to taste it too. Yeah, I mean, it's very us. Uh, I'm gonna say like um, is that orange? What is that flavor? Huh. I think there might be a little bit of orange flavor. In yeah, there. yeah. kind of citrusy. Yeah. yeah, almost like a popsicle that got a lot of citrus, but it's not bad. Never, very refreshing summertime type of beer. What do you think, Paul? Well, it's such a light beer. Like I feel like that that actual that flavor is like a, a hop that's that's in there. Like what it's, it is? it's like yeah, I feel like it's like a, um, it's hitting me with something. And maybe no, it's almost like it's not. Never mind, it's not orange. I remember now. It almost tastes like medicine to me, and I don't know what type, but it's one of those tastes with the cream ale and the way it lingers. But go ahead, you you got more of a technical skill yeah, than no, I do. Yeah, it sounds it almost tastes like one of those like heel heel melon. Okay, look at me. Like, that now that that is, sounds better. Such a than, light beer, mm-hmm. you know, like just a little bit of it, like gives it like a teeny tiny little bit of a melony, like a almost like melon rind kind of like, and a little bit of an orange little feel a little bit. All right, well, delicious. <laughs> we can be honest here, Paul. I I'm gonna give this. This is this is. I'm gonna go on the waiver. It's okay, you know. Like I said, nice summertime. Back to Tanya's point. A little citrusy there. Some other type of. You put pine and some other things. Which again, this is a wonderful thing about beer. You can get so many different flavors. But Tanya, what do you, what was at least for uh, Lucky Devil? When did you call it Lucky Devil? Like how many iterations of the name did you go through before you got it? to be Lucky Devil, and then also talk about the actual logo itself, because it was it was a great story when we were talking last time about that logo. Okay. Um, so, the name was a hard one. Um, I'm not going to say the original name that Paul had envisioned for the brewery before uh, I was involved, you know, because he definitely envisioned his own brewery before he met me. Um, he definitely quickly integrated me into that vision, but um, I wasn't on board with the name that he had. And uh, we came up with a lot of different names. I can't remember too many of them, but we wanted it to have something to do with Belgium because we are a Belgian-style brewery, Mm. and so we definitely wanted it to have something to do with Belgium's history of um, the when the inquisition started the catholic church came into belgium and took over the brewing completely Hmm. but the people that had been brewing the beer for hundreds of years um weren't so happy about it so sort of as like giving the middle finger to the church (laughs) they made you know they started making beers that were Apart from the church, the church gave the, 
the beer making to the monasteries. And so the monks were only allowed to make beers. Wow. But there were a number of people that were still covertly making beer. And um, as well as some monks that were making beer that were not necessarily agreeing with the um, Inquisition and the Catholic Church and all the horrible things that they were doing in Europe at the time. Um, they, they named a lot of the breweries and the beers after demonic things, <laughs> which sounded like they were part of the church, but, you know, that's where Duvel came from and, and many other Belgian beer names and brewery names. And wow. so we wanted to recognize the rebelliousness of Belgium um, in fighting back against the Catholic Church as well as their own, Paul talked a little bit about the freedom that Belgium had in making their beers and having wild yeast, which was opposed to the way that Germany was making beer. Um, it was still very much a traditional process that they had, which is what we wanted to embrace both from Germany and Belgium. But um, definitely we wanted to take some of the Belgian rebellious spirit into our brewery and name it something and there were some names that were related to that that we didn't end up taking um, and we felt like Lucky Devil was something that was kind of a positive funny take on also a theme that was already out there from Belgium and that, that people in the United States could recognize because it's a, also a, a term that's used a lot you know you Lucky Devil and it's got luck in it and you know our logo has the spade which is obviously you know a luck thing a card playing thing um the woman that is in the logo um is a good friend of ours and um it's sort of a secret you know where she's from and who she is and i'm not sure i want to go into that in this interview but gotcha. um it is, it is a close friend of ours who is a um, pretty amazing person. The, the um, person that drew the logo is also a great friend of ours who's a pretty well-known artist, Aubrey Ankrum. Um, he's just done the one main logo, which is amazing. Um, yes, it is. It is a very yeah, nice logo. Yeah, it's, it's really garnered a lot of attention for us, and we appreciate him as well as the person that he put in the logo. So speaking on that history that you talked about, can you speak a little bit more on the, the effect of the Inquisition when the Catholic Church came in and like who was doing the brewing at that time? Because I know you and I off mic had that conversation the last time we met, but it's, I mean, there's a, there's a woman in the logo it was were there a lot of women brewers at that, at that time there, prior so to, the, to the church coming in and taking over? Yes, there was. And even after the church took over, there were still women involved, um, which has been sort of a hidden fact. And one of our beers, um, Manifest, is um, the name and the style is taken from this era in Belgium, which is a pretty amazing time to me. Um, because it was a, a very egalitarian time um, which stood in opposition to most of Europe at the time like egalitarian in terms of uh, 
Possibly not in terms of race. I don't know how many different races were living in Belgium at the time or even in Europe. But as far as men and women were concerned, there were a lot of men and women working side by side in Belgium uh, in the brewing industry. And that actually inspired men and women to work side by side in many other industries and farming and things like that. Um, and there's... Uh, many famous paintings actually one of them by Van Gogh of women brewers um, from Belgium from starting in like the 1200s through the up through the 1500s um, because they were an icon of Belgians independence from the rest of Europe because they allowed women to work alongside men and you know unfortunately children too or I don't know if that's unfortunate but um, they they were making beer and the style grisette was brewed in honor of the female brewer in Belgium and so our manifest was made in honor of and it, it we tried to follow as closely as we could the style the way that it was described um, which is similar to a, uh, uh, most people know the style Saison. It's kind of a hoppy Saison. Nice. That, again, women involved in history that you do or do not know about, but that is that's a wonderful thing. I, I enjoy the aspect that how you incorporated that into uh, their, not only your logo, but then also just the aspect of the moving forward yourself being a woman, having that aspect of not only brewing but then being a part of this brewery itself so I, I really I appreciate that that was definitely something that beer talk now community we needed to know and hear about and do some more research and learn about um, with that with the brewery what was what was the biggest challenge after so you found your flagship with the Alistair Abbey you're feeling good spilled all over the kitchen floor both of you tasted you said this is this is the beer that we want to showcase to the world. What what were challenges to get it into breweries or get people to taste it? What were those what were those challenges? And both of you can answer either one, but Paul, we're gonna give it to you. Well I mean for starters, you know, Belgian beers are pretty popular now, but at the same time, you know, at, when we were bringing our Belgian beers out there, it was just like bringing a cider out there. It was like yeah, we got 30 handles, and uh, we got one rotating Belgian handle, you know. Wow. So we got that question all the time. Why the hell would you guys, like, open a brewery that only made Belgian beers? Because hmm. that's what we want to do, and that's what we want to be known for. And, like, we'll be the brewery eventually after, you know, everybody else fades away. That's the brewery that's making Belgian beers, and that's always been making Belgian beers. So, anyways, that was our – that was our. it wasn't just, like, a niche that we thought we – that needed to be met it was also our favorite style of beer and when we toured Europe you know Brussels was it kind of blew our minds it was really like you know, Barcelona is amazing there's also a million great places in Europe but, Br but Brussels and Belgium was just like so many great beer experiences that we just had to like that was what we decided we wanted to do you know Stuck. not only did you stick to your guns but again, back to you going to Europe and, and experiencing this this beer culture uh, seems to be very 
it, it made you it made it had you on a streamline i feel like you all you always kind of had that mindset but i think doing that um having that education and going to those di- to those different countries in europe and being able to see how they made beer it really puts you on that mindset and then having a lovely wife who was like yeah let's do that i like i like <laughs> that too let's make it happen and support and, helps yeah and get sure. that support and keep you focused and dealing with those challenges of what i'm surprised because belgium's for me like first time i had a belgium i was like i don't know i was big on porters and stouts first i started off with uh pilsners went to porters and stouts because i thought that was the heaviest beer my cousin who was who listens so shout out austin he uh, he was like no no no. belgians are stronger i was like crazy this nine five ten percent you lost your mind well, this Belgium's a 10.5, and it has a nice spice to it. I was like, lies. Let me taste it. So he gave it to me, and I was like, this is great. I don't know what else. I, why I was drinking anything else. Start drinking belt. I uh, start drinking quats, uh, triples, and I was just like, this is great. I went up. I think for Belgians, all, all the way up to like 12 percent. Twelve percent is probably like the max for a Belgian, where it starts for me losing that spice to it, at least on my palate. But that that ten five to eleven five, I think is great. So, yeah, I appreciate it. So how how is uh, how's business now? Like where where are you? What breweries are you at here in California? Where are you looking to? Not not where are you. Where are both of you looking to expand to? Um, and what's the what's the game plan to do that expansion? Well, business is great right now. You know. Um it's business just seems to be good and it just always gets better and better you know and we started as a really really small brewing company husband and wife team out of Oakland and you know we still we've been open for seven years we still do beer fest people are like oh you guys just open we're like no we've been around for a long time but we don't really our goal was not to take over the world and really it wasn't about the money either our goal was like make really good beer and like do it like as you know, like, put your heart and soul into it, and, like, if you fail doing that, you know, all right, fuck it. At least you did it, you know, authentically. But, you know, we did that, and it just actually went exactly the way, uh, you know, fate would have it. We uh, got a success, everybody liked it, and we kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And so we keep expanding, but, you know, our expand is not like... Um, the expansion of like a massive brewing company that has like super huge deep pockets and we like i said we don't want to take over the world we just want to be like uh oakland's like small brewing belgian brewing company and we're slowly kind of going out there so we're basically you know the bay area and you know possibly new territories like southern california Minneapolis has a sacramento where you're going to go get your award for this lovely and i'm grabbing it out of the ice right now because we're going to taste that next for your gold-winning Lucky Devils Brewing. Uh, Santa is my motor. Satan, Satan is my motor. Satan. Look yeah. at me. I'm saying it's great. Satan is my motor. I like, can I say I like the names that you two are putting on these, on not only the beer, but also Lucky Devil Brewing, Brewing Company. Satan is my motor. Yeah, it's great. I awesome. love it. Well, so that's yeah. a cake reference. Okay. Yeah, you know, you know the band Cake? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, and of course, that's collaboration with Gillen Brewing Company. And Gillen Brewing Company is like, um, well, you know, the brewing company is in like an old motor motor shop, auto body, you know, so they kind of have like a hot rod theme with all their beers. Nice. So, Satan is my motor, seemed to be like the perfect, like, 
evil and hot rod coming together kind of thing. Tanya, where would you like to see Lucky Devil going in the next couple of years? I know he's talked about being that, making good, I know Paul, excuse me, he, I'm talking about Paul. Paul's saying take that step-by-step approach, at least from what I gather from him, and continually to produce good beer. But what do you, what do you, what do you see uh, Lucky I'd, Devil doing? I'd like to have a tasting room. Okay. Um, I, I love hosting and uh, hospitality. And I'd like to introduce some, you know, small bites to pair with our beer. Our beer pairs beer really well but with food. And, nice. you know, I'd like to have a small place with not a large kitchen, but um, capability of having some food to, um, you know, pair with our beers and hopefully have some small special batches of beers that we can just have at the tasting room. I like that. All right. Before I ask the next question, because I don't want to just keep throwing back and forth, let's t- we're gonna taste your collaboration. Uh, Satan is my motor. We're gonna pop the we're gonna pop the bottle or can on this pop bottle on that one. There we go. Here that nice crisp opening of that. We're gonna pour. Oh yes. We're gonna hand that to you. Now talk. Talk about this collaboration of the Satan is uh, is my motor. What 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 hops did you use? Like what when when you do a collaboration beer? What what are you? What ingredients are you actually collaborating on? Because I I would well, so I would you never know they're know. all different. And we, okay. We've done I've done a few collaborations with Lucky Devil, and then I've done a few at other breweries. And like I, you know, you would think that there would be like a process, like, oh, hey, let's do a collaboration. You you throw the grains in, I'll throw the hops in. Yeah. But there's never ever been any scenario that's been exactly the same. You know, and sometimes it seems like more of a collaboration. Other times it seems more of like, um, oh, we'll just can you know you happen to have that, we happen to have this. So like, let's just like, uh, you know. Other times it seems like. You know, you're cleaning house. Other times they're going out of your way to get the best possible ingredients to make like a beer that you admire. You know, so Satan is my motor was inspired by uh, Ublon Schuf, which is um, their their homage to the Belgian West Coast IPAs, basically. Okay. So it's a triple with kind of like blended with a double IPA slash West Coast IPA. Anyway, From so a that's a great brewery. beer. And Sean and Tim and I were talking about that beer, and we all really thought that was a great beer, but we wanted to sort of do something similar, like a heavily hopped triple that sort of was on a West Coast style of hopping regime, and we wanted to modern it up, you know, because that beer has been like, that was a, that's a like 10-year, 15-year-old beer. The nose on that is, nose on that is very, it's like, it hits you, it hits those airways, but I like the nose on it. Yeah, so this is like a lot of late hop additions. It's got uh, Enigma, 007, and Citra are the late hops. Nice. Uh, it's unfiltered, 10.2%. Still, I, I can't see through it exactly, so it's a little cloudy, but yeah. that, I definitely, and what color, are we going to say bronze on this? Am I getting that right? Am I getting better on colors, or am I just messing Bronze, up? I wouldn't say bronze. I would say golden, orange, Goldenish? something okay. like that, sun, light like, sun, Like almost sun-kissed, almost sun-kissed golden, maybe? Well, let's give it a try. I know you've already had multiple tastings, but cheers. There we go. All right. Satan is my motor. Mm. Now, is that 
I feel like I, I taste fruit in there somewhere. But the beginning of it, I like how it's like hop forward, or at least in my mind, hop forward on the palate right when you right when you sip. Then you get more of a fruit flavor, and then it kind of the hops dissipate. The fruit stays on the palate, on the finish. I, I really I really enjoy that. And I don't know if that's where what the collaboration was shooting for, but I I definitely could knock this back and not be like ah, I'm just getting a whole heap of hops right on my palate and it's more yeah. so going directly into you're getting so many intricate uh, flavors on that which which is great that beer really came out amazing man um, and it's it's 10.2 percent that's 10 points it does not which taste is, like a 10. no i know that's ridiculous right? that is dangerous yeah. beer right there 10.2 huh yeah that beer has wrecked me several times I mean, I would. I was literally about to say that I would take a, a growler home of this, and I did not know it was ten point two percent. Okay. Yeah, I kind of think it tastes like candy. Is that? Is see, what, 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 what flavor candy are you getting from it, Tanya? There's definitely fruit in there. Um, yeah, I, I love the way that fruit. Yeah, is. yeah. Um, so the yeast is uh, the the shoof, uh, yeast, and. Yeah, the hops are all laid hops, and it's like unfiltered. Basically, we're trying to like we basically took every step we could possibly take to add as much flavor as you possibly could, and layers of flavor. Well, in it's, def- it's definitely there, so I appreciate that. So, attention to detail is key. I really want to finish like that whole bottle, but we got so many more beers to taste. Man, when I, when we first picked up like our half of the batch from Gilman, and we took it home and our dropped off a keg at my house. My neighbor tapped it. He had like we each had a twenty ounce pint of it, and we were like, "Man, this is really, it's really drinkable." Yeah. And tapped another twenty ounce pint. And after like two twenty ounce pints, we're like, "This is way. We shouldn't be drinking this in twenty ounce glasses. We these are way too big glasses." And then we went ahead and poured another you know, third twenty ounce pint. So you had two. You had, <laughs> so you had forty ounces. Each, huh? Okay. 60. 60 in the end, yeah. yeah I, I like how you do get a lit, like now that I've had a second taste to it and you just sit back and relax, the hops kind of like, it, it like hits hits your palate, but it's not, it, it's not, it's the flavor, I guess, from the fruit. And I almost get, and I always say it's a copper taste because I'm big on ambers. I like ambers. Yeah. I get that feel of a copper, copper taste, and I don't know if that's actually copper tasting. I don't know what to call that flavor. Um, but I like the way it sits on my palate. It definitely reminds me of the way it's lingering on my palate to be like a, like a, like an amber or even like a red ale. So, no, that's that's really good. I really enjoy that. A little more than that. Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, man, the yeast is really. It's really nice. Really nice. So I want to, you know, before we move on to your next one, because even though we're here at Elevation sixty six. I still want to. I want to finish up the ones that you brought because we already had the Alistair Abbey, which was great. This right here, hands down, like I see why you got a gold medal for this collaboration. Like this is definitely something that at 10.5, as Tanya told me, I would have drunk this and not thought two minds about it. I would have thought of actually about a seven, maybe know, an eight, right? seven, maybe eight, but 10.5 that that'll get you in trouble. Um, where with the beer industry now because. I know you brought a sour, and I'm glad that we brought a sour because I wanted to talk about that. Sours seem to be taking flight in the beer beer world as uh, dry hops did or hazies did. Um, 
when we were talking off mic, you were talking about how Sours, uh, well, at least some Sours started off in, in, in Belgium, if, I'm, if I got that correct, and correct me if I'm wrong. Um, so I didn't even know that. But what is it about Sours that both of you like, and do you see yourself making more Sours? And because it, some of them originated in Belgium, and that's a Belgium style, is that going to be a part of your, uh, your uh, not flagship, but your repertoire as far as what is uh, consistent ba- uh, brew? beer that you that you make excuse my tongue tied right there yeah well definitely uh barrel aged sours are always going to be a part of what we do at lucky nice. devil and it's, it's always been what we part of what we did from the beginning and when we first started you know it's a little bit of a challenge uh the first year because we you know we were having had a few beers and people were like oh what else are you guys make and we're like well we have our sours but they're going to be you know the they're not kettle sours. They're gonna take in a year, you know, a year plus. Whenever wow. they're ready, they're ready. But you know, when we finally got to that point, people were like, "Oh, thank God! Oh, it's totally worth the wait." But yeah, our sours are probably what we're most known for, actually. <laughs> Even though we like to be known as, in general, as just a Belgian brewing company. But oh. like. Um, yeah, in general, like, our sours, man, like, people don't even want to sample. We have several accounts are just, like, whenever you have a new sour, just bring it, you know. Just don't even call it, just bring it, so. Yeah, we were just filling, you know, um, six stoles of it for bars, but we've had Pronounce a number it. of bars ask now for 15-gallon kegs of our sours. Like, just bring them on a regular basis. We don't want to run out of the sour. Can you pronounce this for me again? This is the yeah, it's oud frambois, frambois, seven so, yeah, percent so, ABV. Okay, yeah. nice. I like that. And uh, yeah, I want to I want to pop it open. I know you still got a glass full of the. Uh, no, that's all right, man. The here's, sa- here's uh, Satan is my motor. Right oh yeah, here. we got two more glasses. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Now we're talking. So I mean, so, so our, t- our sours have always we've always brewed them uh, basically traditionally according to like. What I witnessed at Cantillon and Lisbon's in Belgium, you know, basically we're we're brewing a beer, we're adding it to barrels, we're adding, you know, Brett, Lacto, PDO if it necessary, but maybe not always, and just letting it ride, you know, and we're adding like fresh wine barrels, fresh whiskey barrels. So uh, I was away from the mic. Where do you get, so for your wine, your whiskey barrels, are you getting that locally from, like? Mostly. Uh, mostly? Mostly well, local. Okay. Not, whiskey, not the whiskey. Yeah. The whiskey, whiskey barrels. Yeah, I mean, sorry, the, the wine But ones, the yeah. wine, but, I mean, but we usually just jump on a, a whiskey semi-low. Somebody's getting, like, 200 barrels. We just, like, you know, hey, we'll take some of those. And then as far as the wine barrels go, you know, I try to really go to independent little wineries that like nice. that, like that are just basically draining a barrel and like hanging it off um, I don't like to go through barrel brokers so like it would be great to be Wait, like, they have they have barrel brokers I didn't even yeah. know they had barrel brokers I mean I get emails constantly and from these companies and I bought barrels from those guys and it's all about the timing you know like so okay. it's like they get a fresh shipment of barrels in like and you just happen to need some right then and there okay. well it's all good but if you all of a sudden need like, oh man, I'd like, I uh, wish we had like three dozen uh, barrels of Cabernet barrels right now. Um, I don't want to order from, I don't want to pull some old barrels that we got to rehydrate, you know. So you just start making phone calls and 
also like you kind of get in tune with the timing of the wine season you know so there's always barrels available at certain times of the year so you try and line up your sours and your barrel needs with when they might be actually draining the barrels <sighs> careful there careful yeah well okay so we're gonna taste pronounce it for me one more time i'm sorry Outre-en-Bois. and this is a seven percent abv now this color right here i'm gonna say and I'm, again working on my colors I'm not going to say golden. I can't say golden on this one. This is like a... Kind of sunset-y. Huh? Yes. Sunset. Yeah, it has... Now, this definitely has some bronze to it, even though the you know the sunset aspect is just darker than what we just had. So it definitely has that... You get the, the fermentation from the sour. You get that yeast smell. But it's a nice... I like the subtleness of it. Most sours that I've smelled, they're very... Um, I don't want to call them pungent, but they're very strong. They hit the they hit your nose way, and you're when you're doing smelling the nose, and they just like overpower you, and you can already taste the sour yeah, even yeah. before you taste it. This is like it has some sweetness to it, so I'm kind of being tricked a little bit on my palate already before I taste it. So yeah, let's give it a shot. I got a pour right there. Sweet. Cheers. Done. Not bad. Not as sour as I thought it would be. It has some sweetness. It almost tastes like raspberry. Yeah, and very I, yeah. raspberries. You got a little guava in there as well. Okay. That's what the... I think it's about 75% raspberry, 25% guava. Okay, and when you're doing that, are you using uh, raspberry juice? How are, are you Are you throwing raspberries in there? What, no, what you, so we're doing... Um, you know, you got to tell me all the trade secrets. I just want to know, when it comes to guava and raspberry, I'm thinking, is he doing... You know, the, we're we're, the we're basically the, using real fruit. Okay. That's the... Uh, Aseptically sealed and then add to our barrels. Pureed, yeah. Pureed, pureed, pureed. And frambois means raspberry. Minimally processed, I guess. Yeah, it's just basically the seeds are removed, the skins are removed, and then it's yeah, aseptically sealed, put in the barrels. It's not bad. I'm still I'm still not 100 percent on sours yet, but this one I could. I like the I like the finish on it. The finish on it is very is very clean, awesome. very crisp, and it has. Um, it's like a light tart to it, but the sweetness of it very it hits you right there. Like I I see why people enjoy it. But yeah, this is good. So the beer industry, I guess, since I've actually told myself I'm gonna start a podcast and get involved in it, I've seen so many changes in the beer industry. I've seen so many breweries open up. I mean, just in California alone, it's over probably like over a thousand breweries, if not more. I know wine is over 4,000 wineries, and when you said going to small wineries, which I applaud because a lot of the smaller wineries don't get the attention that the bigger ones do. Most people just come to California and go to Napa. Um, How do you see the opening of all these breweries and and being a brewery yourself? Do you see that as a a way that the brewery, um, the beer culture will continue to grow? Do you see it as a... Uh, saturation of of the of the beer culture. Like, where, where do you? How do you see the beer industry right now? Well, you know, it kind of depends on who you ask in in the industry. So, like, if you um, if you hang out with the brewers, I mean, I basically I, I'm actually every aspect of that. So, like, I'm the brewer, and I'm hanging out in the in the brewery talking to production people they're like 
oh yeah, you know, this shit's all, this, this will all phase out. You know, the bad breweries will go away, and then the good breweries will be here. And then if you're hanging out at a bar with a bunch of salespeople, which I also do sales, they're all like, oh, you know, we gotta, you gotta just like start listening to the millennials. You know, we gotta see what uh, they're doing. You know, we gotta mimic what the, you know. And then if you talk to the marketing people, they're all like, we need to start like marketing towards that. Uh, you know, it's just, you know, it's. I don't know. I feel like jumping on a trend and like just trying to follow things is like the worst thing you can possibly do. I feel like you just you pick a thing and then you get really good at it. And you stay good at it. And you be the you be the choice for that particular niche, right? And I feel like what's happening right now is breweries are opening and closing, and the you know the the growth, the double-digit growth of craft breweries, that's really not happening anymore. But at the same time, good breweries are still there. Like the good breweries that are, you know, the craft breweries that are making good beer, they're still there. I think that the, the days of like, hey, I gotta like, you know, I got some extra money, let's open a brewery on a whim, and we'll probably make some money, those days are long gone. You know? Tanya, what about yourself? What do you, what do you feel about this, the brew culture, the brew, uh, the brewing world currently? I, well, I agree with Paul, um, and I, I don't think that it's a bad thing that there's been a little bit of a decline in um, breweries right now. I think that it's it's there was a huge boom and everybody got into it, and now it's just sort of um, the people that are really truly passionate about it are going to be able to stay in it, hopefully. I, I enjoy all going to all these breweries, uh, which I haven't been to a whole lot because there's so many. Uh, I just get you get different varieties of the same beer. The collaboration aspect, I think, in the beer culture is something that is uh, I enjoy because it's it's a competition with yourself, not against other breweries. Uh, you have breweries that want to be the local brewery. You have breweries that want to be the community brewery. You have breweries that tell people to go tell people word of mouth about their brewery and then you get that circulation um so I, I i think it's a great thing i think that your brewery what you brought me especially this award-winning uh collaboration i really you know i want to take that home but i already popped the popped the bottle on that one uh definitely want to come and get that yeah you know Let's you look. can still get that um so the state is my motor is still on tap at gilman okay so they got it on tap their tasting room right now and uh we can't really say enough good things about the Gilman guys. Man. Gilman, they, Bre- good old Gilman Brewery. Yeah, man, they they Off really Gilman Street. They 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 were amazing, man. We we talked about the collaboration. Those guys like fam, like no hesitation. Done. Had a good had good times at Gilman. I got actually that was the first podcast I did. Oh really? I got two. I got two or three crawlers from Gilman uh, Brewery. So shout out Gilman Brewery. Oh nice. Um, I want to let both of you know I, I really, truly appreciate you coming out, talking with me. I know we probably could talk for a whole another hour about beer. We didn't even finish all of the uh, uh, Elevation 66 beers, which is okay because uh, we, we focused on yours. Elevation 66, Beer Talking Now community, the reason why we're here is because Lucky Devil, they have their Al- uh, Alistair Abbey on tap. Really great uh, team. Shout out to Jordan, the, uh, the, the manager here at the tap room slash brewery. Uh, he's a really good guy. So if you're here in El Cerrito, California, come check him out. But 
both Paul and Tanya, thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, I enjoyed having dinner with you. I enjoyed our talks outside of beer at dinner. Awesome. And um, can you let everybody know if they want your beer, um, the places that they are, if you, the ones that you can remember off the top of your head, and if they want to reach you, where can they reach you at? Okay. Well, so we have... Well, we have like 200 plus accounts. 200 plus. That's I good. Mean, in the East Bay, and then it just goes off from there. But okay. like, um, I don't even know how many accounts we have. We got Gilman. Go, basically, got- you go to our website, which okay. is really what you need to do luckydoublebrewery.com. There's a button, Beer Finder, and it lists all of our accounts. And it's maybe probably not up to date because we get a new accounts a lot. But um, that lists the bulk of accounts that we've had, at least uh, the accounts we've had that. We haven't, uh, maybe in the last six months of new accounts might not be on there, but all the accounts we've had for years and years are on there. So, um, where can you get Lucky Devil Beer? LuckyDevilBrewery.com, Beer Finder button, bam, there you go. And if they want to reach, they want to reach either of you. If you want to reach either of us, if you go to the brewery, if you go to that website, it has a contact info, but also, um, you can email, email me for sales questions or any questions whatsoever. Uh, Paul, P-A-U-L, at LuckyDevilBrewery.com. And then the phone number, any questions, comments, uh, 510-969-2865. Uh-huh. And for me, Beer Talk Now community, if you want to reach me, uh, you can go to www.BeerTalkNow.com. You can go to Instagram at, at @BeerTalkNow. You can go download us on iTunes to listen to this wonderful podcast episode with the Lucky Devil. And uh, check us out, Beer Talk Now. Go to Spotify, Beer Talk Now. Uh, Besides that, I had a wonderful time. Beer Talk Now community, thank you for checking us out again on another episode of Beer Talk Now. And with that, I will see you on the next episode. Paul, Tanya, thank you again. And we are going to finish these flights And hopefully next time we can talk to the brewer here at Elevation 66, and then we can spend more time with him. But right now the focus is Lucky Devil Brewery because that's what we came here for. And that is all I have to say.